From True Africa, I'm Claude Renitsky, and this is Limitless. This week, we're talking about coming out. Once you are coming out, you are actively activating a kind of political conversation. I was able to talk about it to some people, but not to others, because I was afraid of their judgment or that I might regret it. As a trans-identifying person, I don't talk about coming out. It is about letting people come into the story. Welcome to Limitless, the podcast that asks the questions that matter for Africa. We're looking for African solutions to African problems. In each episode, we're asking three guests one question that matters to Africans. And, no surprise, they don't always agree. The Limitless Podcast is supported by the U.S. Department of State and the Scene Fire Foundation. Be it parents, priests, or the police, some people think being gay is somehow un-African, that it isn't normal, that it's against African values. Whatever you think, let's put it aside. I want you to consider the actual people involved. What if you aren't straight? How do you tell the people around you? How do you live your life and stay true to yourself, but also to the society in which you live? First up, Vabene Fiatsi, an artist living in Kumasi in southern Ghana. Vabene identifies as a woman ex, which is a more inclusive way of saying woman. So, Vabene, how did you come out? (laughs) Yeah, I, I came out to myself first, through art, at the age of 32, 33. It was a radical process and a, and, and, and a sudden attack on my own fears. And what do you identify as? I, I am a trans woman calling myself trans vata, which is trans plus an avatar. A way to expand my multiple self and fluidity and question the goddess that live in me and also to celebrate that goddess that live in me. So where does your confidence come from? Not sure if I have always been this confident um, (laughs) about identity even in general uh, in terms of uh, gender identity, trying to defend um, my masculinity as growing as a boy uh, because many structures at the time that was growing made me feel being alienated even among my peers um, not because also I was effeminate but because I was very smallish short and tiny and there is a very uh, there is a, there is there is something that defines masculinity even as children um, so I grew up with some kind of toxic attitude trying to defend masculinity. So I wouldn't say I was that de- that confident in defending what I am defending today, but I think the same attitude is what came out after I have come to the realization that this is who I am, and this is what I am, and this is what I will forever be, and I have to accept it and face it. And can you tell me about how you actually told people? That was intense. I actually haven't or never came out privately to any family person or a friend. I think speaking to trees is much easier than speaking to human beings because the trees absorb our waves, our sounds, 
reflect on them before echoing them to the forest. On the other hand, I felt like I've always feel like human beings always have a sense of judgment and prejudice, even when they trust you, even when they believe what you say. So, so for me, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't see it necessary coming out privately to any of my families. I rather came out publicly. So all my coming out were public. But yes, I want to say that it is not just about telling people. It is first of all about telling ourselves who we are. And do you think it's harder because you're an African? In many African countries, coming out is a radical intervention. It is an activism in itself. So whether you identify as an activist or not, once you are coming out, you are actively activating a kind of political conversation and fighting for a social change, knowingly and unknowingly. So um, it, it comes with a burning energy. So we must first come out to ourselves. We must first learn to confront our own ghost, to confront our own uh, shadows, to confront our own fears. In living our lives and staying true, we have to first work on self-acceptance and self-love. Um, for me, that comes with not seeking validation from our families, friends, or even the society in which we live. The next guest is Shiba Kokli. She's from Togo like me. She works as a lawyer in Canada. And I also asked her about what it was like to come out. <laughs> It's a process. It starts with finding one's own equilibrium and understanding one's own feelings. It's about accepting oneself before talking about it to others. I haven't come out to everyone. I was able to talk about it to some people, but not to others, because I was afraid of their judgment or that I might regret it. With some people, I didn't spell it out. People presumed, and I didn't quash any rumors. In any case, it wasn't easy. It was a personal voyage. Each one of us decides when she or he is ready to take the step. I asked her if being religious affected the process of coming out for her or her friends. I know some people who are still in the closet because of their religion and others who were even excluded from their communities because of rumors. They weren't out-out, but they were excluded because of suspicions. It was difficult for that person. I'm close to them, and I really felt their disappointment when it happened. He's a person who has deep faith, and not being accepted in his religious community was even harder than not being accepted by his family. It was his refuge. He was very active in his community. He was in the choir, but that person was rejected because that person who identified as masculine was seen as effeminate. And I asked her about her advice for young people thinking of coming out. Do it for yourself and when you are ready. There is also a social pressure to define oneself, to put oneself in a category a pressure to tell people what you are and what you are not according to their expectations. But it must come from yourself. You could see it as a type of activism, an affirmation, or even a demand for certain freedoms, or even because you've had enough of pretending to those whom you love 
or are around you. But you must always remember you owe people nothing. And it must first be about you. And I would say to young people thinking of coming out, look at the circumstances. Think of your own safety. Because as I said before, Claude, rumours start quickly. And if you're not mentally prepared, I think it's best to say nothing and only to speak when you are really ready. Our third guest is Katlego Kolanyane Kesupili, Botswana's first trans-identifying public figure. So, Kat, same question. Do you think LGBT rights can ever be part of African values? As a trans-identifying person, I don't talk about coming out. For the most part, it is about letting people come into the story of a life that you are inhabiting and a life that you are realizing that for the most part, folks who are viewing it from the outside might have scripted narratives that you no longer want to live according to. And so to save them, you wish to welcome them into your narrative or into your your journey. I don't like calling it a truth because, again, that assumes that everybody else isn't living in a truth. And how did you welcome people into your story? I was a young, a younger, <laughs> I was a younger person. And for the most part, when I was eight, uh, I, ha- I think it was the first time that eight or seven was the first time that people who were my peers had said to me, you know, you're gay. And I said, no. And I said it not out of shame, but it was out of the fact that having understood or even gotten to some idea of what they were thinking they meant when they said gay, it didn't identify me. And I moved through life until about the age of um, 18, if not 22, and still never identified myself by way of a sexual orientation. I knew for a fact that I wasn't necessarily going to do what the heterosexual narrative said I should do, the way that the heterosexual narrative said I should do it. As a gender fluid person saying, oh, I think she's cute, And it's not because she has breasts or it's not because of anything else that could be called a physiological attraction, but I am attracted to something about that person and their gender is not a barrier. And so by the time we welcomed the public into my story, I had been a national sensation as a singer and a performing artist in Botswana. And I realized that the headlines were not telling a public that didn't have the right to know everything about me. But I wanted to at least get to recognize that someone like me could exist in our country. The opportunity to have somebody to say, okay, this is what it looks like. This is what they sound like. And let's ask more questions. So that is how I ended up welcoming the country into my story. And by virtue of welcoming the country into my story, I ended up welcoming the world into my story. 
So what's your advice for young people wanting to welcome others into their story? The only way you can figure out how to welcome people into your story is by figuring out who you want to welcome into your story and what purpose they serve. It has to be about possessing yourself. So in one of my talks, I speak about a theory that I uh, give to folks to say, you need to develop the nerve to possess yourself. So once you've developed the nerve to possess yourself, which means you're not abiding by a narrative that doesn't make sense to you, the way to welcome people into your story is by knowing how to guide them through that story. And you don't have to know the destination. You just need to know that it's going to be a journey and they need to start at some point. So treat it like a hike up a mountain that is still forming itself. You don't know how high you're going to go, but you know for a fact that there might be some flat plains along the way. There might be some sharp edges. There might be some dangerous peaks. So treat yourself as a mountain and understand that the people you bring along the journey, bring them on based on the stamina you have seen them exhibit. Emotional stamina, intellectual stamina, um, empathetic stamina, compassion stamina. When they like you or they love you, how do you nurture the way that they can start building that stamina? Because you've built your stamina and so allow them to build theirs as well so they can work and walk and ride and roll and run <laughs> alongside you for the rest of your journey. I felt really inspired by Vabene, Shiba, and Kat. We're not looking for simple answers on this podcast. We believe Africa's potential is limitless, and so are the identities which form us. We need to keep talking, and of course, we need to keep listening. Thanks for tuning in. To find out more, visit www.trueafrica.co slash limitless or follow True Africa on Facebook and Twitter. Join in the conversation using the hashtag LimitlessAfrica. You've been listening to Limitless. I'm Claude Grinitsky. The Limitless podcast is a production of True Africa. This podcast is made possible with a grant from the U.S. Department of State and the Scene Fire Foundation.